Welcome to the Rough Road Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Steele. Today, my guest is Todd Terry. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, thanks, Lee. Uh, my name is Todd Terry. Um, I'm 47 years old, live in Mesa, Arizona. Um, wife of 25 years this November. Uh, we have five kids. What's the date in November? November 4th. Oh, wow. Nice try. I'm impressed. Nice try. Um, yeah, November 4th. Um, so five kids. My oldest is 23. Um, she's married. I have a, a son who's 21. Uh, then I have a 16-year-old son. Um, and then my wife and I had a surprise. She's Macy is six. And she had to have a friend, and Rigdon is four. So that's... Uh, that's a little bit about us. Nice. A happy surprise. Happy surprise, kids. yes. Yes. They're cute kids. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> they have I, their moments. I just met them the other day. They're, I've met your older ones before. We've known each other for a while, but right. uh, your youngest ones I just met. So. Right. Well, so uh, the Rough Road Podcast, we're uh, all about overcoming adversity, and... I understand you had an incident when you were about 10 that we're going to talk about tonight. Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll share that. So it's it's interesting because even though I'm 47, this happened when I was 10, 37 years ago, I, I still actually remember quite a bit of it. Um, so I remember we actually were meeting, uh, this is up in Idaho, we were meeting as Where a, in Idaho? It was in Osgood. Osgood, which is a little that? suburb of a farming community outside of Idaho Falls. Okay. Um, so we were meeting together there at a, at a church building, a centralized place to um, all gather and then head up to a place called Island Park, which is I know near, where Island Park near is. West Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. Um, there was approximately 15 to 20 adults. 18 or older with chainsaws and uh, then there were two boys there were 10 myself and another another kid a friend of mine um, and so it was it was a fairly large production of you know uh, cutting down trees and gathering wood trimming them up stacking them in trucks uh, we had one that was a cattle truck that was backed in to this clearing of trees had the big sidewalls on it, um, and people were actually inside that stacking it. Okay. Um, and so I remember. Was this a, like a cleanup project for like your no. for the church? No, or? I apologize. So what what we were doing was this gentleman um, had just had double hip replacement okay. surgery. So prior to the winter that was coming. We went and gathered, clean up. gathered wood for him. Oh, gotcha. So we were going to cut down, you know, I think four to five cord of wood was what usually the winter required okay. for uh, his home. And so we, we were gathering wood for him as well as, you know, any additionals, uh, people that needed. So were these really big trees? Like how yeah, how large yeah, were they? Yeah, like, they? I mean, forest trees, so, you know, 30, 25, 30 feet tall. Okay, so they're big, big, yeah, big trees. Okay. Big uh and it, it, yeah, big trees. So I, I remember driving up there 
I remember driving, there's a, a bridge called McCray's Bridge, and it's just over, um, I think, the South Fork River. I remember getting out there, skipping, you know, skipping rocks along the, the water, and, mm-hmm. um, and then we got back in, drove a little bit further, and went back in this clearing of trees uh, where we basically said, okay, this is where we're going to you know, start start cutting down trees and, and start the project. And, and so, um, you know, I, I, as I think back and as I'm talking, I, I can hear the chainsaws, you know, several of them, uh, going and, and I, I remember taking a trip, getting some wood, you know, you hold it in your hands like a, you know, like a baby type thing. You hold right. it in your hands. It was like four or five pieces of wood. And then you, I remember walking back towards the truck, um, and I. This is about where I lose my my thought or my memory is. I, I apparently walked to the side of the truck, um, and I was walking up the side of it as they were falling a tree. Okay. So, the dad, uh, Larry Reed, I believe is his name, and Chris, his son, who was eighteen, Chris was pushing on the tree. Larry was cutting the tree with a chainsaw. So they were following the tree right where they wanted it, right behind the, the truck, so they could... Chop it up and put it chop, in easier. You know, trim it up, chop mm-hmm. it, and, and load it real easy. So apparently I walked around the, the side of the truck right as it fell. And uh, a branch went into my head, a branch went into my kidney, and... I was now when you say branch, like what are we talking? Are we talking like the size of I, I wish I had a picture, but I I was told by Larry later mm-hmm. that this was the gnarliest and most knotted branch tree he'd ever seen. Like I, what size were they, do you think? Um, Did they tell you? Did they were they like a couple inches? Are they six inches? Or I mean what you know, I, I don't I don't know. I know that the tree itself was, you know, twelve inches, fourteen inches around. Yeah, probably the tree. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how tall. I would assume you know twenty, twenty five, thirty feet, something like but that. But as far as the branch that hit you the in the branch, head, yeah, and I and I don't, you don't know. I don't have any information on that. I wish I did. I and again, I don't remember seeing it coming or anything. I just. From here on, it's really experience of what I was told. Um, wow. So, so the, what's your last memory before you woke up? Because I'm assuming it knocked you out, right? Yeah, I was in actually coma for two and a half weeks. Okay, so what's your last memory before before you woke up from your coma? Um, walking, walking to the side of the truck, and that's it. And then, and then you woke up and you're like, "How did I get here?" Yeah. Well, and, I, and I'll I'll tell you more about the story, but I I woke up to my my nephew, Eric, who at the time was three, two three years old, and I woke up to him on sitting on at the end of my bed, and it was just like, hey Eric, it was like almost like nothing. Your bed at home? No, at the hospital. At the hospital. Okay. It was almost like nothing had happened, right? I just kind of. All my parents. It was were, almost like it was a dream. Yeah, my parents were like, "Oh my goodness, is he ever going to wake up?" And all of a sudden, "Hey, Eric, what's up?" You know, just kind of a real strange thing. But so, um, you know, a little bit about the experience. The um, apparently my my whole left side was 
was crushed by the tree not physically broken and crushed but it was just it 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 landed on my left side along with the branch in the head the branch in the kidney and it my whole left side was black and blue um even even two weeks later yeah okay so the um the impact was so great that i have a heart condition because of it it the the mitral valve normally flaps you know has a, a heart flap to it it buckled in and now flaps it's going to have a prolapse mitral valve because of so what does that affect the impact you know i it doesn't I, affect you on the basketball court because you <laughs> schooled me every time oh, whatever you know i i've had to actually give up several sports because of it um but that was at a young age like i was a i was really into wrestling uh i wrestled mm-hmm. a lot i was on there was an idaho olympic team that i was on um i had to actually quit playing football because they were afraid you know if i get an impact on the right side where my good kidney is yes that would take me out basically um so um i do remember playing the city championship um in basketball a few months later and i was wearing an orange hockey helmet uh, (laughs) and i had broke my finger because i still played flag for flag football and i dove for some guy's feet and he broke my finger so i played basketball with a hockey helmet on and a broken finger (laughs) it's pretty funny anyway so um so you wake up he's at the foot of your bed yeah wake up the foot of my bed and so you know at that point i'm i'm what what took place what happened and and so they they kind of proceeded to tell me that you know i had been hit by a tree um they you know, they, they talked about my whole left side being smashed and I looked and it was black and blue and, and I, I just, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out what, you know, what took place, why it took place. And, um, they proceeded to tell me that, you know, they identified I have a heart problem now. They, my, my left kidney is in, not functioning. So it's still there. It just doesn't function. Um, and, the actual the, the the severity of my my accident was it was so severe that the membrane covering to my brain was torn so they did not expect me to make it through the night um they actually drove me to the nearest hospital which was a fairly small hospital in Ashton <coughs> Idaho and there they took an hour and a half to stabilize me and then they they flew me to idaho falls and but there in ashton they told my parents you know we're sorry but there's really no way he's going to make it through the night but if he does he'll have severe brain damage because of the you know the, the trauma that took place in the brain already um and um so well, I would hate to see you without severe brain damage, then. <laughs> right? Because you're pretty. I could be like you're a pretty smart man. guy. <laughs> wow, that would be awesome, right? I never thought of it that way. It's funny. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm holding this this Dallas Cowboy hat in my hand, and it it um, it's pretty the, amazing, actually. That at the time, I you know, I was a huge Dallas Cowboy fan. Um, You've since repented. I, I've since repented. I'm, I'm a Cardinals fan, and I probably need to repent again. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I, um, this, this Dallas Cowboys hat was on my head 
at the time of the accident and um, the outside of the hat has a, a large you know blue star right in the center and um, there's there's a little mark if you look at it closely there's a mark on the star but there's no it's not cut at all but if you look at the inside it's completely torn open and I mean I really feel that this hat is I can't say the hat saved my life but if I didn't have the hat on I probably wouldn't have made it um, so having having this hat so why aren't you a, a cowboy's fan <laughs> anymore <laughs> you know I, I'm, I'm real loyal to Local where things. I live, right? Gotcha. So, okay, I, I, that makes sense. If I lived in Dallas, I absolutely would be. But you know, I still have some some feelings towards it. I, I guess I should say. But um, another interesting thing about the accident was um, we found out later. So there were there were two gentlemen that that actually because I'd have I had compound skull fracture. Hold on, I got a question before you go on. Sure. That. Did you break any other bones besides your skull? Like, um, was your arm or your legs or anything no, like that? No, no. It was just your skull? It knocked out. Like, like that's... Yeah, it just... <laughs> I don't not, mean that in that way. <laughs> totally understand. So, no, it knocked out. It knocked out a permanent, I don't know, a baby tooth. Okay. That was, you know, needed to come out. Right. Hadn't come out yet. Knocked one of them out. Um, there's a there's a scar on my, my hand. Um... I got just stig scar, so yeah. that's cool. I got the scar on my side, which is now part of a love handle. So it's not really a scar, I guess. Uh, <laughs> that's what happens when you're forty something. Anyways, um But, but as far that, as breaking any more bones, no. it was just it it literally chipped, just injured your head. Yeah. For chip, the most part. I, it chipped one of my tooth or teeth. Chipped one of my teeth and uh And your kidney, of course. Kidney, the heart condition, and then so uh, on my head, it um, the doctor. So there's two doctors. There was the guy, the main doctor, mm-hmm. who was you know neurosurgeon, and then the other guy was a neurosurgeon as well. Uh, who he was the assistant on the, the surgery. Later, he had told my parents that it looked like somebody took a sledgehammer to my head. Oh, there was just little oh. tiny fragments, you know, of bone. Right, and they basically put them together as much as they could hoping that they would grow back together they would fuse right. right if if not in a couple you know i don't know a time period later they would have to put a metal plate in luckily i didn't have to go through that cousin eddie experience but so um so you say you were black and blue on your left side was your face black and blue too obviously yeah um you know i you don't remember i don't remember i do have a there's a picture i have somewhere of me in the hospital, but I I don't believe I was black and blue at the time. It might have might have already faded. It might have faded, but I don't know if my face was or if it was more. Cause I don't think I really sustained. Maybe just the branch hit you. Yeah, I think it might have just been a direct hit. I'd have to ask my mom about it because, yeah. But so later in finding out about you know these this doctor and 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 stuff, we we learned that. The doctor who actually performed the surgery months later was run out of town, run out of Idaho Falls, 
because he was impersonating a doctor. A, a doctor. He was actually he did not have a license to be <laughs> a neurosurgeon. So it's like, okay then. I don't know how to feel about that. So, you know, I, I really I, I Well you're alive. I'm alive. And I, I and have to attribute and you're relatively pretty dang smart. So well, about that but so they have to i mean i have to attribute what took place the 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 various you know things that i i've got from the situation like you know the the dallas cowboy hat the um you know finding that this gentleman is not not a true doctor i have to attribute those things to me having a purpose right me having a cause, if you will, right. um, something a mission. more, right? Something more in this life that I have to give and that right. I need to accomplish. Some experiences you need right. to, to have. Right. And, and again, I guess, you know, being 10 is, of course, you've got a lot to live, right? You've got a right. lot to do. But it really just, I think, helped me with a, a different perspective, right? Right. And, and Maybe he had read a lot of books, though. True. He could have. Yeah, he could have. But there, you said there was another uh, neurologist with him also, right? Right, right. Yeah, he was actually, uh, you know, he was an LDS doctor uh, there in Idaho Falls. The one that got ran out of town? No, the, the, actually the, the one other that one. assisted. The yeah. one that was actually a doctor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so the one that wasn't a doctor, was he the lead doctor? He was the lead doctor, supposedly. Oh, my goodness. Supposedly. That's yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. So... Wow, that's a, that's a wrinkle right there. Right, right, for sure. So you definitely, you're lucky to be alive. Yeah, you know, I, I really am. I, I think, you know. I, I mean, I don't know the if tree did. didn't take you out, and then you get a non-doctor treating you. Right. And, and that didn't take you out. You're <laughs> exactly. And I don't know if you, you know, but a membrane covering to your brain, that is actually like chicken skin. Right. It it's just it's kind of slimy. It's mm-hmm. it's fairly tough and 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 uh, you know, but that was actually torn, so they could you could see into my brain, mm-hmm. um, there on site as as it happened, and so they they instantly you know they they said a quick prayer and and kind of apologized for not saying a prayer earlier. Typically, before right. such a thing, we'd have a you know a, an opening a, prayer, a prayer, and and you know for safety. for safety and and all that. So uh, there's a group of if they would have said the prayer before, the tree would have fully hit you, probably. Probably. <laughs> so you know they they fell to their knees, a few of them, and 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 basically you know prayed and and um, and then they put me in a truck and you know they 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 called. I don't know how they Did called. They, they called and got an ambulance coming, but it was you know an hour and a half away. How did they call? Cell phones didn't exist back then. Yeah, I don't know how. There, there was out was out there of a the house main road. there or something that they called. No, from? but just past McRae's Bridge, there's a there was a, a gas station I think there, so they probably called there. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. My dad had a, a cell one of the first cell phones around. One of the bricks. One of the bricks. The, with, yeah. Oh, in the bag. In the bag. But I don't know if he had it then yet. I think that was a little later. But anyways, he, they called. They got the ambulance. So they met the ambulance at the Ashton Hill. My dad was going, you know, 100, 
I think he said 100 over 100 miles an hour wow. trying to meet. But I guess I was turning blue. I wasn't breathing. I was kind of convulsing on the blood. Right. Uh, that I was, you know, struggling to breathe and, and uh, in and out of breathing. Um, turning blue. It's probably a good thing you don't remember any of that. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a good thing. So, you know, because of uh, the many, the many um, scenarios within that that took place, I, I just feel that I've got, like I said, more to give, more to, more to. to you have a special life. purpose that right. you're here for. Yeah, and I and I and you're searching for it. I, I think I I think I know what it is. I you know it's just a matter of you know. Can you share what that is? Yeah, you know I I actually um, I, in our ward I'm I'm the ward mission leader and uh, I have a a ward mission theme that is no love serve, which is K N O W, and it's so it's know your neighbor love your neighbor, serve your neighbor. And it doesn't necessarily just mean the guy next door or the family across the street. It's, it's the dude that's it, doing a podcast yeah, right now. It's right? anybody, right? <laughs> it's knowing, loving and serving our fellow men and women. Right. And, and so, you know, I think it's, it's figuring out because on a daily basis, we have people that we come in contact with that we probably don't even realize, but they're put in our path for a reason. And I think quite often we might miss the opportunity to talk to them or get to know them or, you know, serve them, serve them or enlighten their day in some way. Mm -hmm. And so, it's just really a, it's something I'm trying to really work on and, and do more of because, you know, we're all busy. We're just, this, this life we live now is super crazy busy, but I, I think we're missing opportunities to serve and to uh, make a difference, right? So what are, what are some of the things that, what were some of the struggles to, that you had to overcome from this injury? Like what was the, the recovery? I don't mean to get away from this, uh, this purpose years. I'm curious to know what the recovery process was. Like how long did it take to get to recover from the injuries? Yeah. You know, it, it, it really was almost like a turn of the switch. So like I said, I was in a in a coma for two and a half weeks of nothing, right? Mm -hmm. My heart rate, they didn't know I had an, initially had a heart condition, but my heart rate went up to 175. And they, like, said, well, that's not right, you know. And so they had to deep dive and figure out what was going on, and, and that's when they, they identified. Um, they almost basically got my chest open and tried to figure it out what, what was going on, but... Luckily, they didn't, and they identified, you know, because of the trauma, the the sheer force of the blow, mm -hmm. it caused my mitral valve to be prolapsed. And they can't go in there and fix that? There's no... They probably could. I just have... Ne I mean, literally, I've done nothing for the last 37 years to, to, to do anything, to rectify anything. I've, I've lived my life normally. I, I haven't... 
at one point in time, I had a, a kidney stone in my right kidney, and I thought I was dying because that's my only functioning kidney. Right. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Kidney stones are so painful. I'm going to die. And I actually, you know, I, I was actually living in Long Island at the time on my mission, and I, you know, tell my parents I love them. I think I'm, I think I'm going to be gone. I don't know. I only have one kidney. And so, but uh, I mean, I, I hate to sidetrack, but I, that was, I really didn't have any, and I haven't done any, I haven't had any side effects per se mm-hmm. that have hindered me in any way. I mean, like I said, I, I, I'm not able to play certain sports to the, the level I've like I would have liked to. Um, but you know, I, I don't feel that I've, I've missed out on really anything. I mean, I, I still play basketball. I don't now. I just ruptured my Achilles, but I, I still, you know, try to do and, and be as active as I can. I just, right. um, so, yeah, you know, back to your point of you probably should go check it out and have it, you know, changed or fixed. I probably should. And especially as I get older, I, I think, you know, my wife has, uh, she had a heart surgery a few years ago. She had a PFO and I probably, you know, need to go to her heart doctor and say, Hey, this is what's going on with me. Is there anything to be concerned with or right? At least I'm checked have, up. Yeah. Am I going to have issues later as I get right older, that type of thing. And, and same with my kidney, it's in there. Is it okay to be in there? It's not functioning. Is it right. a big ball of scar tissue? I don't know. It's kind of interesting right. to think about. Huh? <laughs> what other, uh, purposes have you found? Other than that, that's not your only purpose, obviously. Right, right. You know, I... I, I know, it's a tough one. That's a tough question. That, that is tough. But, you know, I think I think my, my purpose that I've, I've realized, and it's probably no different than, you know, your purpose is to, you know, to be a good dad and to, to right. try to... to try to be the dad and father that you want your kids to be right when they grow up try to be the my goal is to be the best dad that to be the kind of dad my kids deserve to have right which you know is in your and they deserve so much better than me yeah and your mind is way better and so it's it's tough it's because but it always pushes you right it's it pushes you to always be better because we're not at that point in our lives right right? and but that's a great that's a great way to look at it because you know we can always be better. And so that's, I fail at it every day. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're a lot closer than I am, but no, no, I doubt it. I, <laughs> although I did come home and make dinner tonight, which is, Oh, not me. Yeah, I was, I was trying to earn brownie points, but I didn't, I went to two football games and then nice. came here nice. well and done. said, good luck. <laughs> well, but you took your, you spent time with your, kids. I did. Yeah, I good. did. I did. I went and supported him. That's good. So, but you know that's the I think that's I think that's the the goal of most dads and most parents is to you know do the best you know i I look back at my dad and the way that he grew up my dad was not did not have an ideal up upbringing mm-hmm. by any means um, he was basically abused by his stepdad mm. and it he ran away when he was a teenager. Oh wow! Um, and was living 
on the street mm. at a teenager. Um, terrible life. Yeah. Um, he would get beat almost every day by his stepdad. <clears throat> but that made my dad, the man that he is now, you know, the, the man that raised me, that made him the sure. man that he was. Sure. And it shaped him. It, um, although he didn't necessarily appreciate his stepdad for how he was treated. For sure. It taught him what he didn't want to be. Yeah. Right? And it's important. And so he, my dad, now if you ask my friends, they would say that he beat us. <laughs> but he didn't. He right. he disciplined us. This was back in the 70s. It was different. Right. Things were different then. <laughs> Things were different. Um, but, you know, right. he, um, he did, I grew up hearing the stories of my dad's upbringing and, and what he went through. Mm-hmm. And and then I would look at how I was, and I'm the youngest, so I got the least of it compared to my older brothers. Uh, yeah, from he, what I hear, he I, mellow- I didn't see those. Yeah, they mellow out by the time yeah. you get to you. But, and my dad was in his 40s when I was born, so mm-hmm. he was, you know, my age when I was when he when I was born. So right. Um, so he's a lot mellower. But <clears throat> I grew up hearing the stories of him getting beat up and, you know, getting whipped so bad on his back that he couldn't lay on his back for a week. And, you know, all these stories about how he was treated when he was a kid by his stepdad who supposedly cared about him, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then then I look at how I was treated by my dad, and I knew my dad loved me. And so... Yeah. So it was totally different from how he grew up. But then mm-hmm. my but then my friends would say, "Man, <laughs> you have it so bad." I'm like, "You don't know. How, you don't have any idea how bad that is." Wow. Yeah. Let me tell you some stories. <laughs> right. So. Oh, that's interesting. My uh, my mom had a, a a similar childhood. She she was beaten quite often by you know her parents or her mom and I, know, I think her dad. And, um, but uh, he actually. I never got to meet him. Um, he I'm trying to remember what war he was in, but he was in the you know the army, and he actually committed suicide at forty-five. Um, but I yeah, I never did get to meet him. But I, I know that was he World War Two. It might have been, it might have been, um, and it. I know my my mom. You know, had a really rough rough childhood and and some of the things that she had gone through and and to your point it's you know you you hear you see some of these things and 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 you you identify things that you want to to break that cycle and right. you want to make that change and so um you know I, it's 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 tough i mean it's tough being a, a parent it's it's not a. There's not a manual that says you know do this, win this. Your or kids didn't that. come with a manual. Yeah, uh, it came with expiration your, dates. That's your it. your last two came with a manual. You know, it's interesting that you say that. Is is <laughs> they are totally you, I myself, my wife, I think are totally different with them than we were with you know our our your earlier ones. ones. And that's to your point, right? Your your dad was different too. My sister and I. You're older. 
you know, then, and the, the, you know, you mellow out. You also identify things that, man, I, I, I didn't do that the greatest. And I, I right. need to, I need to make some changes. I need to, and it, it comes back to your overcoming adversity. So we're not, you know, we we experience adversity daily, right? Right. And it's just different it, degrees of it. Yeah, it's it's whether it's you know being a, a parent, a dad, or um, a spouse, or it's you know dealing with things at work, or um, you know an injury, or you know a health condition, or things like that. And you know, we deal with it. It's 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 part of who we are, but it's how we deal with it is what truly forms us and molds us as individuals and you know i think and i've seen too many people and so many people in life this you know go through hard things and and don't get me wrong hard things are difficult but if you if you have the poor me attitude and you you've you know you get depressed and you get why me type thing it, it makes it that much harder to get through it right versus you know what this is this is for my good and what can i learn and what can i learn from this and and how can i come out of it how a can better this make person, me stronger right right a better person a stronger person so that a if i have to if i have to experience something similar again i'll know how to deal with it but also i can help others others right right as as i see them yeah some um, some in a lot of counseling that I've went through over mm-hmm. the last eight years. <laughs> um, something like a punch card. <laughs> yeah, I have a frequent uh, right. frequent visitor card. Um, every tenth visit, it's free. That's good. Um, that's good. no, that's not true. It's not. It's not free. It's never free. <laughs> never free. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know something that I learned going through that, uh, through my experience and the adver- severe adversity that I went through For sure. with my accident, um, it, to, to your point is, um, you know, when you go through these adversities, a lot of times we let the adversity define us. Excellent. And it's, we can't let it define us. And for a long time, I let my adversity define me instead of it being a defining moment in my life. I let it define me. What I mean by that is I would walk into a room and I would, people would see me and I would think that they're thinking mm-hmm. what they're thinking, what I'm thinking about me because of what happened to me when in actuality, they're not, but in my mind, that's what I thought. And so I was letting that experience define me. Mm-hmm. And, so it, and so it let that poor me attitude or that, not really the poor me attitude, but the, it let that influence how I viewed myself and how I thought other people viewed me. And so it let that relationship that I had with people, it right. influenced that. And influenced it influenced every part of my life oh, because it yeah. because I let it define me. I could see it would be consuming. Right, and then and then eventually I was able to let it be a defining moment, but not define me. Right, and when I was able to make that switch, is when the whole world opened back up. 
you know, and that's when, when I, when I, when it was defining me is when I went into the avoidance stage. That's when that started and I stayed in that and that's not healthy. That's never healthy to avoid. And and that, and I avoided my family. I avoided anybody. If I would have seen you walking down the hall at church, I would have avoided you. If I, I mean, Mm. everyone because of what was going in in my mind you you already had your mind made up that they were people thought certain say things. or do or yes. think well and that and it was for good reason because a lot of people did say things to me that weren't necessarily appropriate yeah and so wow and because that happened a bunch of times then my mind said it's just going to keep happening yeah right your mind is it's learning right yeah. and so it led me to that. And so the thing that I learned from that is don't let it define you. Yes, it's a defining moment. It for sure is, right? These adversities that we have, they're defining sure. moments, but it is not the defining thing of you. It doesn't define you. Yeah. And so, you know, if you would, if you would have let this experience define you and hold you back in life because... Oh, well, I have this heart condition. I only have one, you know, and I crushed my head and, you know, all this stuff. Right. Yeah, where would you be? Well, yeah. you probably wouldn't be married to your wife and you wouldn't have all these wonderful kids and you wouldn't be where you're at now, probably. You'd probably still be a Dallas Cowboys fan. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> uh, that's probably true. I joke, but. Good point. I mean, you know what I'm saying? No, I you totally you yeah. probably, if you would have, you know, you were young so yeah you know it, it age does play a difference in that and and you see that uh you know if you look I don't, i'm really big into uh military type things i i listen to a lot of podcasts about uh, military mm-hmm. situations and military vets and stuff and you know they these vets that get injured like in Afghanistan or Iraq or mm-hmm. whatever, they come back and they're, you know, amputees or whatever. And they, they have choice. They can either play the victim, the or victim, or they can own, or they can say, you know what, this isn't going to, this isn't going to define me. I'm going to go after this just like I went after my military career. Right. And the ones that go after it, go do awesome things. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I, it, it reminds me of a time I, I was um, a sales manager at a company that, uh, you know, I, I would hire a lot of different salespeople, and I would, I would, um, in the interview process, I would, I would use that scenario: the the owner or the victim. So, I would ask this, you know, the individual, the interviewee. I would, you know, what are you, an owner or victim? And he's like. What do you What do you mean by that? He says, "Well, watch this." So, as as someone would approach, as we're kind of standing on the corner uh, inside the building, I would, and people are walking by, I would, you know, say, "Hey, Chris, how you doing today?" And based on his response, I could tell if Chris was an owner or a victim, right? Right. Yeah, same old day, you know, same old, same old. So he's a victim. He's a victim. Right. Victim of his circumstances, like. instead of hey Chris how you doing today you know this is a great day it's a fabulous day things are going great that guy controls 
his day, right? He doesn't right. let the day control him. And so it's just interesting. We can be a victim it. one day and then we can control it the next day. Right, right. It depends on what day we're having, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. And so, um, you know, I, it's just important to, to, if you understand that, then you can manage it, right? Right. If you don't understand it and you don't, then, then it does. It manages you. It's like a, you know, it's like a, um, a championship fighter. If the, the good, the good championship fight, everyone's going to lose at one point in time, right? Yep. Even the best. There's always somebody that's bigger, better, mm-hmm. faster, stronger that's going to knock you out, and it's, it's what, it's the defining moment of a champion, right? It's it's how do they deal with that adversity? How do they, do they? Oh crud! I lost. I'm done. Right? Or do they come back stronger? Stronger? Right? Better? Does it motivate them to work harder, or does it, or do they say, eh, oh well? Yeah, I'm done. I've made yeah. my, you know, I'm done. It's funny you talk about fighting because I I listened to a an interview <laughs> on the Joe Rogan podcast, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he interviewed uh, Mike Tyson, one of Mike Tyson's old managers. I don't remember his name. But he talked about Mike. They were talking about talking about Mike Tyson, mm-hmm. and he said, "Mike Tyson's not the best fighter. He's a he's a horrible. He's horrible." Yeah. He's like when. Oh my goodness. It, yeah, and it's funny because he's one of the best heavyweight fighters to ever fight. Right. Uh, but the reason he said that is because he said when the chips were down, when it came to, and he met someone with his skill level, he lost every time. Evander Holyfield. He lost every time. Right. And when he knew he was going to lose, he had to get out of the ring. And so he bit him to get out of the ring. And he lost. Yeah. Makes sense. And it makes so much sense. Yeah. What, what are you going to do? And he said, he said, because he met Mike Tyson when he was 12. Wow. That guy. That's when he started training him. In Brooklyn. Yep. So And, it, it, and he was he was six foot. Or no, not six foot. He was like five, five nine ten, or five, five ten, uh, two hundred and thirty pounds, and he was just knocking everyone out. His very his very first fight he did with him was against a seventeen year old. Mike Tyson was twelve, oh and he cleaned his clock. Oh my goodness! He knocked the seventeen year old out. <laughs> yeah, he was a beast, and uh, he just never had adversity. Like he was always bigger and tougher than everyone else and so he never had to dig deep and f- fight right but, but when he had to he couldn't because he hadn't been there yeah and he folded yeah it was fight or flight right yep and and he flew he flew yeah it yep. was flight for and him. he never came back after that right you, i mean he came back and fought again and, and what happened the same exact thing <laughs> he's missing the other ear now <laughs> Yeah, no, it, exactly. it would be interesting to see what would happen if Mayweather got there because he's never been there either. He's right. always Good point. he's always won, and he's always dancing around, slipping yeah. jab, slip jab, slip jab. Yeah, uh, you 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 use that scenario of like Michael Jordan. Yep. So he came back. Michael Jordan was not the most talented guy. He just worked hard than anyone else. Yeah, he came, but he came back. Right. And he was able to be successful. Yep. So he he was able to identify, you know, what it took to overcome that adversity and and uh, and be better. 
yeah. even at, at an increased age. And, you know, he's playing out there with all these young kids. Yep. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to look at these different people and you can identify that killer instinct or that mm -hmm. just that motivation that they have. You know, and you and it's not just in sports. You I mean you see it, um, you know. If you if because I'm really into military, if you look in special forces, they're mm -hmm. full of these people that oh, just yeah. never give up. Right. Whether you're talking about Delta Force or SEAL teams or Rangers or that, that, whatever. That was a 27 hours with the, the guy. Right, uh, that yeah. rock climber guy. Right. Where he, I don't, I couldn't do what he did. No, I would die in that yeah in there no, they he, would someone to find my body in there eventually he 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 brings that to another level right yeah that adversity oh. and i'm gonna keep going I just yeah I, I couldn't do that <laughs> but god bless him he did it right he, <laughs> he did it. Whew. but it's that it's that it echoes to your point about are you uh are you, are an you, owner or yeah, a victim, owner yeah. Owner or victim. And you really have to decide. That, and that's how you get through the adversity. You have to own it and right. decide. You know, a lot of people ask ask me, you know, how do you how did you get through what you got through? Because I don't think I could. Well, I'll tell you how. I set a goal, and I put one foot in front of the other every day. And yeah. some days it was, it was I was crawling. And I right. didn't think I was going forward, but I somehow made it. So, as yeah, you know, excellent points. And as you, you say that, it, it reminds me of, so as we're faced with challenges, do we go over it, through it, or around it? Yes. So Some days you're going over it, over some days you're going through it, some days you're going around it. it. But over and through it is, is, is owning it, and it's, yep. it's, it's overcoming, right? Around it is... For the most part, you're probably making a, you're probably making an excuse. You're avoiding, you know. In some I see. Sort. I look at it a little differently than you do. Yeah. Uh, in adversity, because <clears throat> I think some days you are going around it. I think you got to take some Just days avoiding off. Avoiding it at the time. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's there's days where I took the day off. That makes sense. And you're avoiding it, right? Right. You want to deal with it today. Yeah, I, you know what? I've dealt with it for three months every day for sure. the last three months. I'm going to take today off. I deserve that day off. And, and I guess my maybe my point was misspoken. It's it's more of the the end game. Yeah. The end game is you have to eventually go over and through it. Yes. But but yeah, you have it, to work through it. Yeah. As you're in the experience, you you might take a day or two off. You go right. around it, come back, whatever. But yeah, I think eventually refocus. Yeah. Getting yeah. to get through it, to become better, to get through the adversity, you got to go through it. You got to go right. over it. And, but yeah, to your point, there's, you're going to have days where yeah. you got to go around it, take a time out. Yep. There's always days where you're always going to have days where it's not a good day and you're down in the dumps. And at least there was for me. Maybe I'm weird, but. No, you're, you're right. It's, you're spot on. That's. That's what I found, you know, down in the dumps. I'm, you know what? Today is, I'm going to feel sorry for myself and I'm going to 
rightfully so. Vote for me, and you know, I, I, I'm going to hit it hard tomorrow, though. I, uh, <laughs> I haven't gone through. I've never. I haven't walked in your shoes. No, nope. I can't say. And I haven't walked in yours. Yeah. So can't say what I would do, but I, I, I commend you for what you've been able to do. Look, I'm. I, it's a tough road, man. <laughs> it's a rough yeah. road. That's right. that's hence the the podcast. The podcast. It's, a, it's a rough road. Well it's not it's not an easy. If it was easy, you wouldn't learn. Right, you wouldn't learn. You wouldn't you learn wouldn't, what you need to learn. You wouldn't be become better. Right out the other side. I've I've said a lot of times um, in I've said a few times in other podcasts that um, you know I would never wish. I would never wish my experience on anyone. For sure. Uh, however, I would. I am great, truly grateful for going through it at this point. Because I can see all that I've learned and grown from it. Now, do I want to go through it again? Eh, probably not. Yeah, but if I had to, I think I could get through it. Um, right. And, and that's what's great about it. I think at the beginning we talked about how now you know being able to help someone else right heaven forbid you have to because they they're going through a similar thing but right you now have coping mechanisms you now know you know how to react how to respond how to go and and do and say right to go over that particular obstacle or that. yeah like i talked with tim on my last podcast you know i have a phd in coping with ptsd right and it's and it's through the school of hard knocks. It's not, it's not something I read in a book. It was it was through the, the swamps of going through it, you know. And uh, so I I've awarded myself a PhD. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you can't you can't uh, get a certificate for what you've gone no. through. It's on the job training. Yep. And I got the emotional <laughs> scars to prove it. Just ask my kids. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. And my wife. But, uh, you know, it's a it's a long process. But I think the most important thing is as you go through these adversities is, like we talked about, setting goals and just pushing forward to that goal. And when you're down in the dumps, just remember, this is my yeah, goal. And what's important. Yep. And if you got to crawl that day which is you know going around it that day you do yeah and that's what you do but as long as you're focusing on that goal and working towards it i think that's that's what that's how you get through it that's there's no easy way to get to get through the hard stuff yeah you know and I'm not special. There's nothing special about me. Yeah. If you see me, there's nothing special about me. I can't run. I can't. I can barely walk. (laughs) I don't have, I'm not good looking, you know, I can barely talk. So you're beating yourself. You know, no, but I'm saying (laughs) that there's really nothing special about me. Um, I just didn't give up. So, and that's all it is. Right. Yeah. Anybody can do that. They just have to not give up. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Now, not giving up, it's really hard. Sure, there's, yeah. So, it's easy to say don't give up. 
<laughs> it is until easy it slaps you in the face and, it, and 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 yeah not being like i said in your shoes or going through it right. it's easy for me to say yeah don't give up now you never thought about giving up did you with your experience no no because i you were so young i was so young you know um but you know there's there's been several you know things that have you know trials and, and and different adversities that I've had throughout my life that um, have not necessarily made me want to give up, but it's been like oh my goodness, what do I what do I do here? This is difficult, but I, I've been able to reflect and understand that you know I have a purpose. I have you know things that I need to accomplish and. And it's kind of helped me throughout my life be able to, as I've faced different challenges and adversities, it's helped me to to be able to, you know, realize that there's a way to get through it and, and you can't give up. You, you've got to go through it. You've got to meet it head on, um, you know, rely on your Savior and, and move forward, right? Um, so... But yeah, it's at the time it, it being ten, it it really wasn't, you know, an experience that really changed me much. Other than you know, I was all of a sudden picked on at school a lot because of it. I don't know why that was. Really, and it wasn't before. How's that? How did that? Like you know, I like, don't, how would they pick on you? What like? What would they? And and I don't think it was necessarily because of the accident per se. It was just. Uh, Did you look different after? Like well, like my my head was shaved and stuff just for a period of time. But right. Um, no, I just I just think it was you know, kids being kids at the time, and they, you know. How did you get them to stop? Um, or can you not talk about it? Became an adult, I guess. You know, I don't. It really, lasted that long. Well, I don't. I. I mean, I didn't. After high school, they, those kids, a few of them that were still, uh, you know, really wouldn't talk to me or I wouldn't associate with them because usually nothing good came out of their mouths, and so. Right, you avoided them and, or whatever. And I was friends with them up until the point of. Yeah, I was, you know, through grade school with them, but, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know if there was something that happened or it was a trigger mechanism or anything, but I just remember really struggling emotionally and dealing with, you know, a lot of the bullying trauma. Um, and like I said, I, I, as far as. I don't picture you being bullied. I know, right? It's just strange, but the uh, the the group, the group. Because I was guys, bullied when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This those the group of guys was, I mean, kind of all the way through high school, and so I kind of had to, you know, go a different route and you know, different friends that type of so thing. So who did you hang out with then? Did you hang out with the jocks, or were they the jocks that were bullying? You? Um, they were some of the jocks. Yeah. So I would just hang out with either a different group of jocks or but that usually didn't work too well because they were all buddies with the other ones and right. so um yeah it was just who'd you hang out with then 
it was what group did you hang yeah, with the was, band geeks yeah did you? well some of that in middle school uh and then it was in high school it was more of the um you know the the music guys not that not necessarily the band guys but right. more like the you know the the depeche modes the erasure yeah. the, 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 the the music mm-hmm. guys that are on on the radio that type of thing um and so some of like the new age kids um and then some of the so more of a, a softer side of jock right like a, right. Like a golf team or a pit tennis mm-hmm. guys those guys so maybe they started teasing you because or bullying you because you couldn't play those sports anymore do you think that had anything to do with it you know i don't know because i i still i to this day i remember we had our sixth grade track and field meet and it happened at the beginning of like the sixth grade so i was back in school and 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 back doing things and i remember i had a really good arm like i could throw things a long ways right i think you remember that Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um i remember throwing a softball and being like we're, we're trying out for different events like okay this is something you do well at or good so you're gonna do this for our team and I remember throwing the softball I mean <laughs> way further than anybody else and then being told that no Frank's gonna do it who is deciding this? Teachers or the dudes? The dudes. Yeah, the dudes that were kind of the ones that were bullying me, and then they they had me run. We again trying out for the different events. They when I ran the hundred meter. Right. They told me I did it in like, I think it was like ten seconds or something, which is like not even possible right as a sixth grader and so they said you're going to do that one i mean this is literally 37 years ago that i'm recalling this and i remember specifically where i was it was osgood school right by the church and when they when when this happened and it's I, I don't know. I, well, it could, and I, the only reason I bring any of that up is because you said maybe it's because you couldn't do it anymore. So the softball. No, what I'm saying is maybe it's because you couldn't play football with them anymore. Possibly, but I'm saying you couldn't play those sports with them anymore, and so they. But it, but I I went and broke my finger a few weeks after right. playing on the football field, which I shouldn't have been doing. So I still did a lot of the stuff. Right. But I just wasn't able to do the tackle football. Right, and they were playing tackle, right? When I refer to jocks, yeah. I mean the football players. Right, right. So, yeah, you, you, good point. Uh, but then, I mean, sixth grade, you didn't play tackle anyways. It was, we did, but you didn't? We didn't play it till yeah. seventh is when they started we with started the pads. We started fifth. Really? Yeah. Yeah, this was Idaho. We didn't have pads until the seventh grade. But anyways, so I don't know. It's interesting to think about it. Uh, but I do remember that was kind of a change. So I got a curious, I'm curious then. So have yeah. you went to any reunions 
any high school reunions or anything um, since then? I haven't. I have yeah. missed them because I, you know, living here in Arizona, I've. So you don't want to be bullied. <laughs> yeah, right. So you know, it'd be. I would love to see what what would happen. You know, I, I I'm friends with them on Facebook, and I really I do talk with them occasionally, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe I should say I, I try to engage communicate right because I don't I don't hold any grudge or you know have any rough or ill feelings, but yeah, uh, you bring it up on the podcast, yeah. <laughs> but I. I just think it was an adversity I think I went through, but I, you know, it's changed me and, and helped me realize that, you know, it's, it's a real thing, but I don't have any ill feelings towards them. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to them on Facebook. Right. But I usually don't get a response. I mean, I've gotten a, a response out of one of the guys, uh, hmm. but not the other one's kind of been like dark. It's been weird. So I don't know. Hmm. So, I reason I ask that is I remember I went to my 20-year reunion. Right. And I was really reluctant to go. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, I really don't want to see, see a lot of these people. A couple people, of the people, yeah. Right. That were jerks. And I went, and they weren't. Yeah. They grew up. Things change. Yeah, they became adults. and I mean, some of them weren't as grown up as I wish they were, but <laughs> most of them were grown up. And, oh, you know adults and it was like wow it, like we can actually have conversations together, and yeah. you can't and you're not gonna pick on me and right. stuff so which was inter- it was interesting to have that because they weren't that way right so so different you'll have to let me know if you go to one <laughs> well for sure you should go to your next one yeah, what would it be? So I graduated in 89, uh, so 90, so what, 2016 would have been. Next year will be 30 years. 30, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it'll be 30. You should go. I'll try to. You've, you've uh, probably lost some members of your. Sp- I have. Of yours. I have, yeah. We've lost a few of mine, and it's 22 Right. Two years. Yeah. So. Yeah, we've lost a few, a couple, a couple of them. So. Well, I appreciate you uh, agreeing to come on here and Absolutely. talk, and I appreciate appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's been good times hearing about your adversity and sharing your experience and what you've learned from it. So. Well, thank I you. I think uh, we've all learned something from it. And if no one else has, I have. So that's all that matters anyway. So I've learned a few things as well. Thank you. Well, good. Um, those of you that uh, this is your first time tuning in, I appreciate it. Please share the podcast. Those of you that are return offenders, thank you. We'll talk to you next time. Tune in for our next episode. Bye. <laughs>